You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on Apple Podcasts, on Google Play, iTunes, Alexa, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider Credential, member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Here with you all on another day this week. we got tons of coverage going on. And look, this week was supposed to be about the NBA draft, but some news broke on Monday. Good news, bad news, depending on how you want to look at it, involving some maybe shakeups on the Pelicans coaching staff. We've got to cover these. We've got to talk about them. Yeah, it's a couple days late. I'll be honest, I've been traveling. I pre-recorded all of this. So we are getting this a couple days late, but that's fun. Anyway, we got to talk about that, what it means. Is it a huge deal? Is it not a huge deal? And what overall does this say about the franchise? Additionally, going to play a clip for you guys from Locked on Heat of our favorite, Doris Burke, on there talking about LeBron and something he wants to do at his next destination and wherever he'll be playing basketball next. And if you're a New Orleans Pelicans fan, this is exactly what you want to hear. So I'm going to play that for you, as well as still cover second-round prospects. Yeah, there's a lot going on right now. We've got to look at a couple more guys. Justin Jackson out of Maryland is going to be available where the Pelicans pick. Is he going to be a good fit for this team. And then you've got other guys too. We're going to talk about Kevin Hervey a little bit from a little known school, UT Arlington. Yeah, he's a senior, but he fits a lot of maybe what the Pelicans need. So we're going to look at those two guys in today's edition of Locked On Pelicans. It gives you, give you everything you need to know about this coaching staff and what it says about this organization. So first, the big news on the coaching staff, and that's that Pelicans assistant coach Jamel McMillan is leaving the team to take a job with the uh, Phoenix Suns. This is, of course, being reported by Woj. And you know what? Very good to see for Coach McMillan. This is a guy who's been very nice to all of the media down here, open and honest with his conversations with us, providing us some insight that we wouldn't have gotten elsewhere, and just a good dude overall. So if this is a promotion or more money or whatever it is for him, I'm happy to hear it. If you're a Pelicans fan, this is a bit disappointing, but it's kind of one of those bittersweet things. You never want to hold people back from taking jobs they want or jobs that are you know maybe better for their career. So this is a guy who did a lot of work. He worked a lot with Drew Holiday in particular with some other players as well, and you can see the impact that he made made. He's well-spoken, a very measured guy. Of course, the son of the Indiana Pacers head coach, Nate McMillan, and he's one of the younger assistants in the league. This is a great thing. This was broken by Mark J. Spears of ESPN, not Woj. Sorry, I want to make sure that I had that right. Um, so it's sad to see him go. We're certainly going to miss him here. A very good up-and-coming young assistant coach. And, you know, he, he played for Arizona State, so he's familiar with the, the Phoenix and Arizona area. So I think that's going to be a great thing for him. So it's nice to see. Kind of, like I said, sad, but you never want to hold people back. And again, this is a good reflection on the Pelicans. When your assistants get other jobs and get considered for bigger jobs, it makes you as an organization look better. Yeah. So, you know, that's kind of as simple as that. You look like a guy that, okay, up and coming assistants want to go coach for you because it means they can go get jobs elsewhere. Only a good thing. And then some other news came later from Mark Stein this time saying, Toronto requested permission to hire Chris Finch away from Alvin Gentry's staff in New Orleans. 
but the Pelicans denied them permission, valuing Finch's contributions in his first season with the Pelicans highly. We all saw the offense. We all know the influence that Finch had here in New Orleans, making this two-big system work at times, then helping reinvent them and getting them playing fast, making smart passes, doing different things like that in the aftermath of the DeMarcus Cousins injury. They value Finch. I'm sure he's in line to get a raise because of this, so good overall for him and definitely nice to see. Now, the you like we said, you don't want to stop people from getting more money for getting bigger positions, different things like that. So you've got to wonder, you know, assuming this was done after the Nick Nurse deal was in place, they just said no, and they were maybe looking to make him the lead assistant there. So it's not necessarily a promotion, might have been more money, but at a certain point, that's okay. You're just kind of limiting him from making a lateral move. But then it came out later on that. Phoenix and Charlotte did seek and receive permission from the Pelicans to interview Chris Finch for their head coaching vacancies. So the Pelicans let him interview for other jobs that were a step up, that were not the lead assistant, not basically an offensive coordinator, but they didn't want him making a lateral move to another team. He is under contract after all, so you can kind of there block it, and they denied them permission. But letting him speak to other teams... Definitely a good thing. Obviously, he didn't get those jobs. Otherwise, he wouldn't be here, and this wouldn't be a conversation we're having, and we would have talked about this a while back. But nice to see that he's getting consideration around the league. One, that must mean he's doing something damn right here in New Orleans if he's getting consideration for head coaching jobs, and it shows how highly people think of him, and that's good because he's on the Pelicans' staff. Exactly what you want. As I said earlier, this is one of those things that just has to show. If you're a head coach, or if you're a coach and you have aspirations to be a head coach, heading to New Orleans, it might be a good idea to help improve your career. This is only a good thing that there's interest in these guys, that they're letting these guys interview with other teams for promotions, and that some of these guys are getting those promotions. So bittersweet to see Coach McMillan leave, but great for him. It's still a good look for the organization. And then still letting Finch interview, knowing his name's coming up for this sort of thing. That's great too. And that also lets people know, hey, there's going to be a plum job as a lead assistant or as a secondary lead assistant because he's not the associate head coach here in New Orleans available at some point in the future. And people might already be thinking about moves they want to make if they're a coach to come to New Orleans and coach under Alvin Gentry. And with the coaching staff moves, is there any replacement lined up? And maybe there is, maybe not. We're not quite sure yet. We know that assistant coach Kevin Hansen was going to be coaching the Pelicans summer league team. Maybe this kind of showed that Jamel McMillan was going to be leaving when he was one of the coaches last year for it. Um, And now it sounds like, and this is, of course, according to David Pick, at I am D pick, and he's a very good international basketball reporter. They're looking to add Inares Bagatskis to the summer league staff. This is a guy who coached the Latvian national team. He coached Chris Stapp's Porzingis there and served as an assistant for David Blatt. So this is a guy who's got some experience coaching NBA players, working with a former NBA head coach and a you know major European league head coach. So that's maybe a name to see out there. And we'll see if he ends up becoming a full-time assistant or if he'll go to someone else. There are some other guys that they could easily make moves for and with here where you still have guys in the front office who've been coaching, different things like that. So I don't think there's really any you know, necessarily things set in stone with this. Just a name to keep in mind as we start to hit the late part of the coaching carousel. 
So we're about to talk about some more second round prospects, but if you want to know a little bit more about the NBA draft, don't forget to listen to the uh, the Locked On NBA podcast mock draft that we've got going on. It's all done now. You can go listen to all five parts covering all 30 picks where our hosts were the GMs. Who'd they draft? Why'd they draft them? What are these guys going to be looking to do in the upcoming NBA draft here on Thursday? It's some great insight. You're not going to get it anywhere else. So make sure you listen to Locked On NBA. All right, second round prospect time. We got two more for you here today. First, looking at Justin Jackson out of Maryland. Sophomore, he's kind of a, a wing position player, 6'6", 230 pounds, 21 years old. Averaged 9.8 points per game in college. Shot 41.6 E field goal percentage. Not an amazing three-point shooter his senior or his sophomore year, only 25% there. But again, 82.8% from the free throw line, and that's more indicative of can you shoot at the next level. Decent rebounder, 8.1 per game, 1.9 assists per game, and then 0.8 steals per game. This is a guy who, after going to the combine after his freshman year, potentially thought he could be a lottery pick with another big season at Maryland. So he went back to college only to have the season end early due to a torn labrum with his shoulder and everything. So you really maybe want to look at his freshman stats a little bit more than his sophomore stats. And, you know, this is kind of going to potentially fit a guy that the Pelicans would like to take. You know, those low ceiling or low floor, high ceiling kind of guys. This is a potential lottery pick. Same kind of situation with Frank Jackson that if he had played a little bit better or hadn't been as injured, say, in his one season at Duke, he would have gone in the first round, but the Pelicans were able to nab him at two, in the second. This is a kind of guy who fits that kind of thinking and mentality. He's got good size and is a bit of an inside-out defender. He can also defend on the perimeter. And at times, you can see him with a nice enough shot to stretch the court by hitting threes and spacing it out for the bigs down low. Having the ability to switch on defense is big, and if he can hit those threes, I mean, this is kind of what you want, a 3 and D wing in the NBA that everyone is looking for here. If you watch him, he plays internationally for Canada right now. He does a decent ball uh, job of moving the ball on offense as well. One of the biggest things you don't want to see in a shooter is if the ball hits their hands, they're launching it. Think Eric Gordon, someone like that. Ryan Anderson's a good example of it too. Ball never leaves their hands. Tyree Gevin, my God, we could go through a list of former Pelicans that all played on the same team at the same damn time. So when the ball hits their hands, it's never getting out of there. Here, at least he facilitates a little bit more and can keep it moving. That's important. It's never a bad thing to have. And frankly, the Pelicans need more solid rotational wing depth. You know, he doesn't necessarily, Justin Jackson, jump off the page at you and be like, yeah, this guy's going to be really good. But if he can show kind of what he does with his 7-3 wingspan and the athleticism, that kind of can maybe translate in there. The shooting's the big question mark here. And, you know, again, he shot much better his freshman year than he did his sophomore year. Maybe that's injury. Maybe he's just not a good shooter. But if you can defend, maybe you can kind of get out there. But the Pelicans need guys who can create some offense too. So that's going to be the big thing. If they think that this guy can get out and maybe run and play in transition and score that way, he might be a fit. But if they don't see the shooting or anything developing, it's going to be a very big long shot if this guy were to even make the team. So that's your profile on Justin Jackson out of Maryland. 
Another guy to keep an eye on that's certainly going to be around 51 where the Pelicans are drafting is Kevin Hervey, small forward out of UT Arlington. He's a senior and he's got decent size. He's six foot eight or so with a seven four wingspan. He averaged 20 and a half points per game, eight and a half rebounds, 2.2 assists, shot 51.7 E field goal percentage, 33.9% from deep. Almost an 81% free throw shooter. He's got a pretty quick release. It's got good size. He gets his shot off at a decent angle. You know, and he can kind of play off ball. He does a lot of those just needed things. Cuts, screens, what have you. And he has decent lateral uh, athleticism, which allows him to kind of be a, a fairly good ball handler with the handles that he has. So he can finish at the rim and everything, but there's questions with this guy. He shows all the tools you'd like, and particularly the scoring's good for playing at a smaller school like that, but he tore his left ACL as a sophomore in college and his right ACL as a senior in high school. Two torn ACLs is very, very scary. And, you know, he doesn't really create his own offense off the dribble. He's more of a spot-up shooter when he's got the ball in his hands and he can move a little bit. He's not great pulling up and shooting like that. He also isn't the smartest guy, I guess, on the court is maybe the best way to put it. The basketball IQ is not there. And you see a lot of too many turnovers. And frankly, you've got to wonder if he can actually play on the wing as much as the Pelicans would need. It sounds like a lot of teams kind of look to him as a small ball big man. So that's kind of the biggest questions. Then... The biggest one of all, the bigger of those, is the defense, and it doesn't look like he projects well at all. One, the decision-making, the one-on-one defense, maybe sap, you know, or maybe losing some of that athleticism due to these injuries, that can be a big thing. So we're not entirely sure what we're going to get out, what you'd get out of him at the NBA level. Shows a lot of tools, but there's a reason he's a senior at UT Arlington and not projected to go in the first round. It's a Long shot for the Pelicans, but all picks right around 51 are. So keep an eye on Kevin Hervey, small forward out of UT Arlington. And if you want to read more about some of these prospects, other than listening to the podcast here, make sure you check out LockedOnPelicans.com. We got profiles on almost all of these guys that I'm talking about that go a little bit more in depth. You can learn a little bit more about them. See for yourself who you think might be a good fit with the New Orleans Pelicans. So make sure you check out LockedOnPelicans.com today. All right, finally, here, courtesy of Locked on Heat and Wes Goldberg, one of their hosts, I'm going to give you guys a clip of an interview they had with Doris Burke. You've been around LeBron a lot during these last few finals and over the years. What is your sense about how he's going to make his free agent decision this summer? Because that obviously is the biggest domino that needs to fall. And where do you think would be the best fit for him if he does want to find a team to challenge the Warriors? Right. I was very intrigued. And then I saw Dwayne Wade's follow-up tweet um, basically saying, like, you know, I have no internal mm. knowledge. I'm just, as he would think. But I did think it interesting that he said he he would consider, you know, where his children are. And listen, I'm a parent of a 26 and a 24-year-old. And I would tell you that the idea of moving either of the two of them when they were teenagers would have been incredibly difficult for, for me at that moment, knowing the social dynamics for a young child. And, and for LeBron, we, whatever, has, whatever transpires from here moving forward, his legacy is secure. You know, the fact that it's no longer sacrilege to discuss Michael Jordan and LeBron in the same breath, to me is a fundamental shift from even a year ago, right? Like his 15th Mm. season 
seemed to tip the scale in a direction we hadn't to this point seen. <clears throat> and so I'm really curious. And we, you know, we will know by the choice he makes what what is the most important thing to him, I think. You know, there are some intriguing possibilities. Um, uh, one thing that I did hear, and his choice will tell us a lot as it relates to this, I was told that LeBron wants to get off the ball more in the future, meaning he doesn't necessarily want to function full-time mm -hmm. as that point forward. If that is in fact the case, then it opens the door to other things. For instance, if you're Philadelphia and you know LeBron wants the ball, then you might say, hmm, if I take the ball out of Ben Simmons' hands, that negates his ability to function. And do I want to do that in what is essentially his second year in the NBA? Because, I mean, listen, you're going to, in my mind, you would stunt his growth if you took the ball out before he develops a perimeter game. Right. However, if LeBron makes it clear, listen, I'm, I'm willing to get out and transition, take it off the window, push ahead to Ben, and sprint the passing lane, that's a different dynamic. So some of that all has to be fleshed out in the process for LeBron. But I'm curious. I, I, do, I will say this, guys. I, I feel privileged to have called the game at a time when one of the generational players in NBA history is playing. Like what this man is achieving um, is truly special. Big thanks to Locked On Heat and Doris Burke for that clip. And if you want to know a little bit more, definitely go and give that a listen. They cover a wide range of topics, and it's really fun. And also, Doris Burke is just one of the smarter people in the NBA, and you should always listen whenever she's speaking. But you got to like what she says there at the end, right? If you're a Pelicans fan, LeBron wants to play off-ball more. Well, you're potentially going to have two ball handlers here in New Orleans in Rondo and Holiday, or at least Holiday, to make his life way, way easier. Tough to get much of a bigger draw than that or the ability to play more off-ball unless it's really in Houston and that's it. Or maybe the, the 76ers it, with Ben Simmons and the different players they have there. But New Orleans, if that's what your main thing is, and you saw how tired he was in the NBA Finals and throughout these playoffs, he can take life a little bit easier here in New Orleans. So is that going to be enough? Not sure, but it's certainly intriguing. And hey, Again, there's a reason people are bringing up the Pelicans because the fit is there. We'll find out what happens, though, when free agency opens. And maybe the draft will shake things up and it'll give us a bigger, uh, uh, a clearer picture of all of that. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked On Pelicans. Changes to the coaching staff here. Player profiles for second round picks. And, of course, some news from Doris Burke on what LeBron is looking for in free agency. So thank you all for listening. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. And I'll be back with you all next time. <laughs>